Hey, what is going on? Nick Kirby here, and welcome back to Chatterbox Reds, proudly sponsored by DSC Commodities. Well, the winter meetings are fully underway in Nashville, and Elijah Evans of Just Baseball will be on the show in just a minute to help me break it all down, and specifically, what it would take to get Dylan Cease, one of the big rumors, Reds, have some interest, have had some conversations about Cease on Monday. Before we get to that, I wanted to tell you all about our proud sponsor of Chatterbox Reds, Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuels production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks, as always, to our proud partner and friends at DSC. Some other quick housekeeping notes. We are planning to do another live show on Tuesday night around 9.30 p.m. with our guy Clay Snowden of Just Baseball. We'll be talking about all the latest around the winter meetings. And then, of course, that show will also be up in your podcast feed on early Wednesday morning. Also, thanks to everyone that came out and said hello at Reds Fest and listened in to myself and Justin Kenner live on 1410 a.m., we got to interview Hunter Green, Will Benson, Spencer Steer, David Bell, and Reds General Manager Brad Meter. Those interviews will be coming your way in this podcast feed and then also up on YouTube in the upcoming days and weeks. So look out for that. And of course, if there's any big breaking news with the Reds during this week of the winter meetings, also even further on the line throughout the rest of the offseason, we will try to do some live emergency shows Get content up for you ASAP. So be sure to be following us on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. And then, of course, this feed, Chatterbox Reds, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Well, now to my conversation with Elijah Evans of Just Baseball. Elijah Evans of JustBaseball.com. Kind enough to join us again. We had Elijah on uh, at the draft time. Gave us some really good insight into Rhett Louder. And uh, there were some rumors today about Dylan Cease. We'll get to that in a minute. And maybe the Reds, maybe be interested. So that's why I really wanted to bring Elijah on because he's got a good pulse on that. Elijah, what's going on, my man? What's going on, Nick? Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, it's good to be here. It's good to talk some Reds, some baseball. I think everybody's kind of on the edge of their seat right now, just waiting for something, kind of the, one of the needles to drop, I think. It's it's really going to come down to – the way I see it, I think it's going to be Otani that kind of just gets everything rolling. Um, I think everybody's sort of just waiting out this market. It's this weird, you know, Nola signed and we saw a few other things of somewhat interest, but you know, of all the big names, right. I think it just comes down to when, when that ball gets rolling, it's going to happen and it's going to keep moving. Uh, but right now I'm just, uh, I'm ready to see where everything takes us this off season. Cause there's a lot of names out there on the, whether it's free agency or the trade market that are gonna, gonna switch teams and move around. And it's just a matter of time before it starts happening. Kind of got a little bit of it last night with the Braves and yeah. the Mariners trade, although that was kind of a different Strange. trade, not not yeah. one that we were expecting different motivation, I think, for that one. Let's talk, before we get to Cease and the Reds, the Reds did make two signings. I want to get your kind of thoughts on on those two. Let's start with Nick Martinez, guy that the Reds could either use as a starter or as a reliever. What do you think about this move for the Reds? Yeah, no, I, I love the I love the Martinez move. Honestly, I think it's it's a situation where the Reds need pitching. Everybody knows they need pitching. The lineup looks really strong. It's going to continue to get better, right? But you you need some stability. I think that that rotation, right? It's you're, you're relying on a lot of young guys. You've got a lot of fresh arms who probably 
you know, there, there's injury risk there with, with Dolo and Hunter Green a little bit. And there's also that, you know, just just you don't know what's going to happen with young players at this point in their career, especially a guy like Abbott, who looked great. Could he regress a little this year? Yes. Could any of these pitchers have, you know, big steps forward? For sure. But getting a guy like Martinez, who has been consistently stable and good for the Padres the last few years, he has versatility in that he's comfortable starting, he's comfortable relieving. It's just a good add all around. I think it could look like a overpay if he ends up being more of a reliever than a starter. I think if he if he stays in that rotation, you're looking at really good value for Martinez. If he ends up relieving more, I, there's a world where it seems like an overpay, but right, it's a two year deal. It's not. I don't really. I really don't mind a slight overpay for two years of a guy who you can use in different spots. You know, you're getting a consistent veteran presence. I think he's going to be great for just the energy of the pitching staff. Um, and I think overall, it's just it's a good ad, and it was good to kind of the Reds got ahead of the market, right? There's going to be a lot of these solid you know, starters, I, I don't think in terms of free agents that the Reds are going to be in the market for a Yamamoto or a Snell, right? So there's a, there's a lot of guys in that range of back-end starters, and Martinez comes with that flexibility where he could be a solid reliever if that ends up being the situation for him. Yeah, and he's also got to opt out after year one, getting paid a yeah. little more in the first year, so there's a good chance this is a one-year deal, and if so, uh, hopefully it does well enough, and uh, thank you for your services, and we'll yep. just sign someone else again next year. I mean, it's just, I think that's a uh, Nothing wrong with that. Emilio uh, Pagan, uh, this was a really – Martinez was not a surprising signing just in terms of kind of fit exactly what the Reds were looking for. Reds last year didn't have a reliever making more than a uh, a buck 75, less than $2 million, uh Sign a reliever for $8 million was kind of a surprise. But uh, I don't know. I liked what I saw from Pagan. Definitely seems like he has some upside. But uh, definitely some concerns also with his um, – you know, some of his previous fly ball rates before last year. And, you know, is he able to be able to to repeat that? What's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it, it is a little bit of an overpay. I think the 8 million jumped out of me a bit, but at the same time, Pagan adjusted his pitch mix a lot. So he started relying more on that cutter. He changed kind of the way he approached batters this past year. And you could tell that in all of his numbers, right? So the ERA dropped, but also the fly ball rate came down a little bit. Like you mentioned, he was a guy who had historically given up just way too many home runs. I think when he was with the Padres and then last year in 2022 with the twins, he was the same type of way. I watched him a lot when he was with the twins and you know, that's a guy who, definitely blew up in some big spots for the twins. And then last year you saw him come in with a different pitch mix, a different kind of approach to hitters. And he looked really good. And he had a, he had the, probably the best season of his career. One of the best seasons of his career since early in his career. So you're, you're buying at the right time. You're getting a guy who kind of figured something out just in the tweaks last year. And he's another just quality veteran piece where, yeah, you might overpay him a little bit, but who really cares? Right. I, I don't think you know this, right. The reds are not, like I said, they're not going after the biggest fish in the pond. So in that situation, it's not a big deal to slightly overpay some of these middle quality arms who for the Reds purposes right now, there's two really solid veteran arms in, in Martinez and Pagan. Yeah. Um, it, it, Elijah kind of feels like every contract's been overpay, right? Maybe, yeah. I don't, maybe we just need yeah. to kind of adjust our expectations. I agree. Yeah. I, I'm not downplay what you're saying. Some of these guys are like, Whoa, that, that's a lot of money, 100%. but you kind of all across baseball are kind of seems like Wade Miley made eight and a half million and he's like 95 years old. Um, I'm just kidding. But I do want to ask you about some of the NL Central because there was I kind of decent amount of news in the NL Central, especially yeah. today with the Brewers. Uh, Brewers, they signed Wade Miley uh, back. They signed to Joe Ross to a minor league deal. I actually really like that. Um, he, he's going through some injuries and stuff. But man, if you're able to get that guy, that guy on a minor league deal, love that for them. And then um, uh, uh, Jackson uh, Churio, 
uh, eight-year contract extension. What do you think about what the Brewers are doing? And there's also rumors about Corbin Burns maybe to the Padres or somewhere else. Brewers seem like they got their yeah. eggs in so many different baskets. What do you think is going on in Milwaukee? The Brewers, the Brewers are one of the most confusing teams in baseball, the way I see it and the way that they've the last few years, really, because they they compete, but they compete by cutting costs and building within, sort of adding players from externally and then considering trading their best players every year. It, it's just it's a weird team, and the way they run things continues to confuse me and a lot of people. But I get sort of what they're doing. I think Miley was a given um, to a degree. I think they needed more of that back half the rotation depth. He's a guy who, even though he's older, he's been consistent. He was really good for them actually when he was healthy this past year. Um, and then, you know, like you said, Churio is a guy who that, that's somebody who, you know, I hate to break it to Reds fans, but that's going to be someone you're going to get tormented by for the next decade. Um, he is phenomenal. Uh, I, the guys at just baseball are incredibly high on him. And so am I via them. And just from what I've seen too, he's, he's really a stud. Um, so I think that's a guy who's going to be in center field for the Brewers for a long, long time. It also puts them in a position where now they have this surplus of outfielders. I think Sal Freelich is kind of their core guy, but you've got a Joey Weimer, you've got a Garrett Mitchell who are kind of extra outfielders that I could see them end up moving for more pitching help or maybe infield help. Um, they're in a weird spot where they, they just, they just have a lot of different little needs here and there, but also some depth in certain places and some really interesting players. So I, the Brewers are, I mean, they, they won the division, right, by, by a healthy margin this past year, and and they looked like a really good team, right? But you, you're losing, you know, a Woodruff, and you're you're changing out a lot of guys. There's a chance Burns will get moved. So I don't really know what to expect from them. I think they could end up being, you know, the, the division winner again. I could see a world where that happens, and I can also see a world where they end up selling even further, and they take a huge step back from last year. So Milwaukee's confusing. And then on the other end of things, um, I'm sure you're getting there, but, like, you've got the Cubs and the Cardinals who are both – wanting to win. I think it's very obvious that St. Louis and Chicago are ready to win. Um, you know, St. Louis attacked the market early. They've already, they, Sonny Gray was kind of one of the other big signings so far to this point. That's a huge move for them. The rest of the rotation was filled out by a bunch of 35 plus year olds, uh, which is kind of funny because that rotation is just a ton of old school innings eaters. Um, and then you got the Cubs who are, you know, are really going to, going to be in the market for a lot of big names this year. So the, the central is getting really interesting. And I think the reds are in a good spot to continue to, to grow, but not to rush. Cause some of these teams, it does feel like the Cardinals are playing a short-term game right now. The Brewers, like I said, I don't really know what they're doing. The Cubs are playing a fairly long-term game. Their system looks really good, but at the same time, they're looking to spend. Now the reds are in a good position, in my opinion, where I know people want to see winning right now. I know reds fans want to see that immediately but they also have a really good system they have time they don't need to rush this competition window because they're gonna be good for a while there's no reason to try and rush for 2024 you can take steps to winning but you can also understand the status of the division where the reds are set up to be really good for a while as opposed to some of these other teams that aren't necessarily set up as good for the future i know you didn't even ask half of that but i just went with it my man i love it i love it you uh you always give me more than I could ever ask for, and I appreciate that. Um, well, you talked about rushing, winning. Um, you obviously, the reason we brought you on specifically was because Reds linked to Dylan Cease, at least as one of the teams in the sweepstakes, whatever. Uh, you are a guy who follows the White Sox closely. You write about White Sox prospects, uh, which you know you would know what their you know maybe needs and stuff are, and we'll get to that in a second, but. When you talk about rushing, what do you think went wrong with the White Sox? Man. Because, I mean, you, know, you made the playoffs in 2020. 
um, was looking like you were on a good trajectory. Do you think it was bad luck, mis mistakes, a combination of both? What do you think, you know, it, it was? And is there anything that the Reds specifically who are kind of sort of in that trajectory, what they could learn from uh, with a team like the White Sox? Yeah. I think a lot of it, it's a little bit of everything to let me put that out first. Cause it is a big part of it. In my opinion, still rise on the white Sox ownership. I, I felt like the ownership and, and Jerry Reinsdorf has done a poor job over the last decade plus of, of doing the right thing time and time again. Um, but I think a lot of it was, like I said, misallocation of resources to a degree where I think it was the, the Sox. They didn't capitalize on the big moves when they needed to, in terms of signings. And they ended up using money in a lot of the wrong places. The, when you have a farm system that's growing, you have to continue to, to complement that system with external additions. And the White Sox, every single external addition they made was the wrong one. And they, instead of going for kind of some key pieces they really truly needed, they did a lot of spreading resources out across the bullpen and across this and that. And, and it's just, it's all about timing, right? When you're, when you're going through a rebuild and you're a team that doesn't have the resources that some of these other powerhouse teams do, you have to take your resources and use them in the right places and at the right times. I think the White Sox waited. Uh, I mean, they were in on, they were in on Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. That was such a huge thing in Chicago when, when that was happening. And that was like, they were, you know, they were supposed to be one of the top contenders and they, they ended up not being able to ask, match the asking price when supposedly Machado was really interested in the White Sox and they didn't want to, they didn't want to pay him what he wanted. And that's something where like you didn't capitalize on some big ads and then they end up spending money on a bunch of veterans and a bunch of players that really didn't even fit the team. In addition to just the dynamic, I think hiring the wrong manager, having some of the wrong players in the clubhouse. Um, I, somebody in the comments just mentioned this, but you know, chemistry is is huge. It is, it really is, and that's the White Sox didn't mesh. They didn't. I think Larusa was a horrible decision. They know that now. It lasted a year and a half, and everybody knew it was a terrible decision pretty quickly. Um, I think that was poor. I think some of the players were added that added were were wrong, and I just I think there's so many things to it. But the Reds, the Reds can avoid that. It, it, what it comes down to is figuring out where they need to spend and where they need to go in. It. And I, I really do think while I like some of these small additions and small additions are important, you need to know when to go for something. And the Reds need a stud. They need a stud on the mound. And this is the time to do it. And I know that that is like, I, I, it's, it's such a simple thing to say, and it's a lot harder to execute, but the way I see it, you got, you have to know when to go for it and when you have to just ease back a little. And there's, there's time, there's, it's a balance of both at the same time. And I really hope for the red sake and for everybody's sake that they kind of approach this differently than the White Sox. Cause they're in the exact same spot marginally that the White Sox were after, you know, 2020, 2021, where the White Sox looked like one of these best young up and coming teams and the, the managing decisions were wrong. The higher, the, the free agent signings were wrong. The trades were wrong. Everything just did not go the way they wanted it to. All right. I want you to tell me why Dylan Cease is a better option than Tyler Glass now and Shane Bieber, because that's the, I'm sure you're going to sell Cease and I would expect you to, uh, you're, you're trying to sell me some prospects here. Uh, or no, you're trying to steal some prospects. I said that wrong. But no, I, I want to know what's the what's what what do you think makes Cease? Because it, it's pretty clear Cease is valued more across baseball. And part of that's that extra year. That's a huge part, part of this. Right. But just maybe even more so in general, maybe even if it was a one year, why is Cease a, sure. a, a good option for the Reds or really any team that's you know trying to contend? Yeah, I think, like you said, the extra year is huge. 
the way cheaper value in addition. So it's an extra year, but it's also the two years he has are arbitration years, right? So as much as Cease has been good, he's still going to be making way less than Glasnow and way less than Bieber in the next two years. So it's cheaper contract, double the years. And from a pitching perspective, right, this is a guy who was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball in 2022. And you're getting the opportunity to trade for him, whatever team trades for him, which it's going to happen at this point, it seems like. Whatever team trades for him is getting him at a lower value than what you know he could be. I'm not saying Cease is going to be a perennial Cy Young contender. I don't, I think he has natural variability to his pitching that isn't going to make him quite his 2022 self every single year. But with that said, you're getting that type of upside without having to pay as much as that value, right? Because if the Sox traded him after 2022, after he was the Cy Young runner up to a historic Justin Verlander season, right? Cease would have been this past year, Cease would have been the American League Cy Young, right? So this is a guy who was truly one of the best pitchers in baseball. And you're getting him at a somewhat discounted value, but it's it's not. I also don't want to look at it as like, oh, you're getting him on a huge discount because the White Sox have leverage right now. They're not going to sell him for less than they think he's worth, but his worth is not quite what he could be. His upside is one of the best pitchers in baseball. His upside is a guy who has a ridiculously good fastball slider combo. He has some of the best whiff rates in baseball. He looked better down the stretch than he did during most of the year. So this is this is a guy. And on top of that, right, he's an innings eater. So you say, I, I want to say he has, you know, the, I think it's like third or fourth most innings in the American League over the last two years. I remember saying something about this recently. Um, but that's a funny comment. It's a funny comment. Uh, but they, they, you know, he, he gets he pitches, he makes every single start. He made over 30 starts the last two seasons each year for the White Sox. Right. And like I said, with the Reds, you know, there's a lot of variability in that rotation. And I think, yes, Cease's on mound performance has some different levels to it. His command is still the thing that like is holding him back from really being an every year stud, but he's going to get you innings. He's going to churn out at bats. He's going to work. He's just, he's just going to be a solid dude to have in your, in your rotation with the upside of a perennial ace. So I, I think I think he's somewhere in between last year and 2022 and all like reality, right? I don't think he's a guy who you're expecting. I, I don't think he's a two, two, seven ERA like he was in 2022, but I also think he's a lot better than his four, six from this past year. Right. I think he's a low to mid three ZRA guy with a ton of strikeouts. Who's going to walk a few too many people every single year. That's just the reality. He'll probably give up a few big bombs here and there, but he's going to get you a start every fifth day and he's going to be good. And he has the upside in any given day to turn in a gem, right? This is a guy you want pitching in a playoff game. And yes, it could mean he blows up, but there's also going to be games wherever he goes. There's going to be games in Dylan Cease's career where he walks into a playoff game and he throws a seven inning, 11 strikeout shutout because he has that level to him. So I, I think there's a lot of different things to consider for the Reds, a team like the Dodgers and could just go for it and not care with that variability. I think the Reds are going to be cautious with a pitcher like who has that kind of range and outcomes. But if you can get him at a little bit of a lower rate, then you'd be able to get this caliber pitcher in some situations. I think it's worth a try. I think it's, I think it's the same thing with Baltimore. Baltimore has got so much prospects, Cincinnati, the Reds have a great system. They really do. And it's, it's difficult but I do, I do think this is a situation where if you can find a price that makes sense, and everybody's asking about prospects, I'm, I'm, we're about to get to that. Um, but I think at the right price, it could make a lot of sense for both sides. Just in general, maybe not necessarily players yet. Um, yeah. And then I, I had someone who actually asked us on Twitter, so we'll, we'll give them the actual first uh, dibs of a, a deal. And yeah. would you take it? If you, if you have a deal for Elijah, 
in the chat, let us know and we'll run it by him and yeah. see what, what he thinks he can put on his White Sox uh, GM hat. But what, what specifically do you think the White Sox are looking for? And I guess just go ahead and get yeah. out of the way. Why are the White Sox not interested in Jonathan India? Yeah. Okay. So this is where it's at. The White Sox are not competing this coming year, but they are trying to retool the, the way that the thing I've gathered from everything the White Sox are trying to retool without rebuilding, which just sounds so messy. And I, I really, part of me thinks they should just completely blow it up and trade Luis Robert and do everything. But I don't think that's the reality. I think they're going to add players that are young and going to be helpful soon, but not necessarily already big leaguers, right? So this is, it, it's kind of that somewhat league ready prospects. Um, I think that there's a few names I'll get to in a sec that the White Sox are really going to want. I think the biggest thing for the Sox is the system needs pitching. It needs pitching that's reliable. It needs pitchers that are going to have upside, but also pitchers that you know are going to give you something at the big league level in the near future. The other side is the White Sox really need some outfield help. They need to figure out right field. It's been an issue forever. There's going to have to be whatever deal the cease is, in my opinion, is going to come with at least an option for right field in the near future. It doesn't have to be the headliner of the deal, but there has to be some sort of outfield option. On the flip side, I think another infielder is another thing. The White Sox have, you know, the top prospect, the White Sox, Colson Montgomery is a shortstop. He's supposed to be up at some point mid to late 2024, but I think the Sox have had a rotating second base mess for the longest time. And that's why people are like, Oh, Jonathan India. Perfect. The White Sox get a second baseman. I have no interest in Jonathan India. I'm going to be perfectly honest with all of you. Um, I hate to break your spirits. I know he's a big fan favorite for the Reds. Uh, his numbers outside of, of a great American are just terrible. Um, I think in general, he just is, he's a pretty poor defender, all things considered. Um, you know, there were some things with his hitting this year that I didn't love. Uh, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I think you, maybe you play him and you can, he's versatile. Sure. He can play second base. I, I just, I don't think his value is what Reds fans think it is. That's the reality right now. I think he's a trade for India is going to disappoint a lot of Reds fans. I think it'll come with a really mediocre return. And I just don't think he makes sense for the White Sox right now who are trying to, the Sox whole model right now is adding reliable players with consistent defense and just more upside at the plate. I don't think India has all that much upside. I think he's going to continue to be a league average player at best with below average defense. And I just don't think him as a player or just his timeline in general makes all that much sense for the White Sox. Um, so I, I don't think India's, he could be a piece. If you're trying to make him one of the headliners of this deal, it's just not going to happen. I, I really don't see uh, somebody just mentioned reference into Kyle Farmer. I, yeah, maybe a little bit better of a Kyle Farmer. I know that sounds brutal, but, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I can't see India being all that interesting to the White Sox. And what it comes down to, I know, again, something else Red fans are not going to want to hear. The White Sox first ask going to be Chase Petty because you're 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 giving up a guy in cease. I know. I know you like Petty, Nick. I know we've talked about this before. The White Sox are giving up a guy who's there. He's there. Cease is the only pitcher on the White Sox right now, literally the only starting pitcher on the White Sox roster right now. So you're giving up a guy and not only needing pitching depth, but a guy with upside and a level of reliability. I think Petty, yes, he's dealt with the injuries and stuff. I think he has the ability to be a stud, which is what the White Sox are going to be trying to find in these trades. But he also has a base level floor where I think he's at the very least a major league starter. I don't think, I, I think, I think he's the exact type of player the White Sox want in this type of deal. In addition, I think it's going to, I mean, 
I, I just, I, so I'm seeing some of these things in the, in the chat and I, I just, I, I don't think any of these are getting it done guys. I, I really, I think it comes down to, to a petty. I know louder would be great, but I don't think the reds are going to trade louder. So I think it comes down. I, I think Phillips at this point is, is interesting, but with the command issues for him, I think he's a little bit lower the, the reliever risk there is a little bit more apparent than with petty. I think it's definitely one of those two. I think Petty was def is it, Petty would for sure be the choice of the White Sox out of those two, but I think Phillips and Petty, one of those has to be included in this deal. Um, and then I think, you know, beyond that, it's got to be some sort of one of those those infield studs, whether it be Arroyo or Collier or Stewart. I think it has to be one of those pieces. Um, I'm a big Collier guy. I think Collier is going to be a stud. And even though he's not quite big league ready, like I was mentioning, I think he's, you know, projectable enough where you take a chance on that upside. I think Arroyo is the more league ready guy. And I don't think Arroyo has the upside of Collier. So I understand I would be okay with Arroyo from the White Sox perspective because the defense is great. The hit tool is continuing to get better. And that's a guy who you could see being the second baseman of the future in Chicago by, you know, by 2025, right? That's when the White Sox are trying to look at contending again. And I don't think Arroyo, I mean, he, I don't think he's that far off of being, you know, a year to two years out of a big league player. So I think Petty, one of those Arroyo Collier Stewart category guys. And then I would love to get back a Reese Hines in this deal um, just because I think the White Sox need possible options in right field and Heinz is a guy who you could at least try. I don't think, I think he's going to continue to be a guy who has that power, but the swing and miss might hold him back from being an everyday big leaguer. Um, but I think the white Sox, even a Blake Dunn too, I wouldn't mind a Blake Dunn. I think just a, a high, a high floor outfielder who could at least be able to help at the big try, try him at the big league level in the next in 2024 would also be a great deal. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of options within the red system. And I think, there, there's really a lot there's, there's many different packages that would work because the red system is actually pretty comparable with what the white Sox want in comparison to a lot of other teams. I think only the Orioles are really the better fit than the reds in terms of pure, like prospect fit. But with that said, I just, I don't know if the reds are going to be willing to budge on some of these big guys. I, I think they really like petty and they want to wait it out with him. And I also think they're going to be pretty hesitant to move any of that Arroyo Collier Stewart group just because of the upside and the, the depth they have. But at the same time, right? Like the reds infield is the reds infield. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick is the reds current infield. Like, could that be the infield for the next decade? Like, it, I think it could be, I think, I think CES McLean, Ellie, and Noel V could be like, could that be the next decade in the infield? God, I hope so. Right, um, right. And then, and then honestly, you know, even if you trade Collier, like you still have Sal Stewart that I think is flying through the system that could be put, even if you traded like Collier and Arroyo in a deal for this, you still have Sal Stewart that could could absolutely That's be your third base. Carlos Jorge too. I mean, Carlos yeah. Jorge is a solid piece. Yeah. I know there's some other guys too. I mean, Sephora, a lot of people like. So, I mean, there's... There, there's a lot of infield depth um, within that system. So I think, I, I think there's a, it's hard. I get it. It's tricky. It's hard to kind of pull that trigger and to be okay moving these guys because the Reds have done such an excellent job building this depth of this system. But I th I don't think it really hurts the system that much. I think, I think parting with one or two of those infield guys and, and one pitcher, I think if the, if the concern is giving up too much pitching depth, I get that because I know the Reds want to keep, their depth with the pitching but if you can get away with one of those arms and a few other you know infielders maybe one of the outfielders whatever it doesn't hurt the red system that much and it sets them up to have a guy at the top of the rotation for two years who could really be a stud 
Yeah, so a couple, couple points here. First, uh, India, uh, there was a lot of news. There was news today on India. I'm not going to get too far into the, the weeds on this today because I think yeah. it was a conversation that will probably be a little bit more, um, I don't know, interesting to kind of have when, when, when me and Trace are on next together. But uh, Mark Sheldon reported uh, that Nick Crawl said he has no desire to deal with Jonathan India. Crawl did talk to India over the weekend about playing first base and DH. So, just me reading between the lines here. Reds wanted to trade Jonathan India. Reds weren't getting the offers back. They didn't want to even entertain the idea of yeah. him moving positions until they couldn't get it, and that's why they're doing this now. But when Mark Sheldon reports something, love Mark Sheldon, but it's literally directly coming from the Reds. This is the Reds MLB.com reporter. Yeah. So me reading between the lines makes me think, I think Jonathan India is staying, and the Reds are going to be DHing him playing first base, maybe even the outfield, something like that. Um, so I don't, yeah. I don't think, I don't think India is moving. When I read that, I could be wrong. Right. Could be no, crawl yeah. trying to, you know, drum up a market, but that, that seems there. I like that you mentioned Reese Hines. I think Reese Hines would be a, a perfect fit in this type of move. Now, obviously not as a centerpiece, not, not, not yeah. suggesting that, but he is a guy that just had to get added to the 40 man probably not ready to be put on a major league roster right now. So, you know, the Reds are going to be maybe a team that's going to have to be careful about having too many 40 man spots where the White Sox don't have to worry about that as much with kind of their, where they're at. Um, I also wonder here, Elijah, I always thought that cease was going to be too expensive for the Reds and the Reds would never give up enough prospects for it. I almost wonder if, the Reds, because they were linked to trying for Glass now and Bieber, I almost wonder if they were inquiring about those guys, and the prices were so exorbitant on those guys for one-year rentals that they're like, well, "Why the hell are we just not going for the guy that's two years if we're going exactly. to have to and cheaper? If we're, if we're going to have to give up players that really, really hurt, at yeah. least let's get a guy with two years. That's maybe kind of what's going on here." <laughs> And, and maybe, 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 you know, it's all a game here. And the like, thing is, you're you're not even, you're not even having to part with any of those big league guys, right? Like the White Sox are not going to try and, I, I really do believe the Reds have plenty of talent to not even have to touch the major league core right now and still be able to get a deal like this done, right? Like it's not, it, it's, it's hard to justify, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams and players that would, that would want or garner you know, a Noel V. Marte or be asking for a Noel V. Marte in a trade, right? The White Sox aren't going to do that, I don't think. I think the White Sox are prepared for a pure prospect package of guys that have not debuted and might not even debut this year, frankly. If, if you can get away with a deal that doesn't hurt your current roster and you add an ace to the fold, I, I'm looking at a rotation with Cease, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and I'm feeling pretty good about that. I, I know they've all every all of them have had their ups and downs, but I think that's a that's a piece that really strings that rotation together. And if you can do it multiple years of control and not even give up any of the major league current guys, you're in a good spot. I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just it, it's a tricky spot. I get it. It's hard to kind of make that that move and that nudge, but the Reds could come out with an offer. And they could make this deal happen. I, I really do think so. Unless it's the only the only holdup there is the Orioles, because at any moment the Orioles could just put their offer on the table and could get seats like that because they have an insane system and just like I mean, they could just say like, fine, White Sox, take this, this, and this, and it, the deal would literally be done in an instant. 
other than the Orioles. And I don't, I think the Orioles are still balking on it because they would, they could have got this deal done already if they really, really wanted to. And if they were really willing to part with some guys. So I think other than that, the Reds have probably just as good of an offer as anybody else that's in this, in this sweepstakes for C's. Right. So it just comes down to how deeply you value certain prospects, which ones you're really able to kind of, you know, to be okay parting with. So the way I look at it, I'll put it, I'll flip it to you on this one, Nick. Would you do right now, if you were, if the option was Chase Petty, Edwin Arroyo, Reese Hines, and a throw in of some sort, you know, not a top prospect, like a flyer 19 year old type piece, would you do that deal? It's not I easy. Would, it's hard. That's a hard one. I, I would try to swap out Chase Petty for yeah. Graham Ash. That, and that's, ooh, interesting. Huh. I, I, if you're getting a major league starter, I'm not opposed to trading. Hmm. I'd, I think that keeps your, your system more balanced. I think Petty has far more upside than Ashcraft. I think maybe you're selling high on Ashcraft. Ashcraft obviously is a legitimate bona fide big league starter. You said you're looking for pieces that have, that are, are, yeah. He still has five years of control. So it's, it's yeah, a lot five of, years of control. Five years of control is interesting there. I mean, that's, that's interesting. I think the White Sox would still rather have Petty in that deal. Oh, I'm sure. I I'm sure. I, I don't mind the idea of an Ashcraft coming back. I, I talked to, I feel like I mentioned, talked to somebody on Twitter about this recently. But I, I wouldn't hate the idea of Ashcraft coming back, but I, mm, yeah, I think Evan, that's exactly right. I think you did. It, it's, yeah, I don't know. That That's an interesting one to think about. Um, sorry about that, Evan. Um, I, I, I wonder if, I wonder if Ashcraft would be that interested in the White Sox because I do think he's good. I, I think his his floor is there, and I think he showed that he's a big league starter. I don't think his upside is is quite the level the White Sox would look for in a headliner of this deal. So I, I'd be interested to see if they would rock with that. But I, I don't know. I, I I still think I still think Petty's going to be kind of the holdup. And if if there's if they're in serious talks, my guess is that it's coming down to whether the Reds are going to willing or willing to part with Petty or not because looking at some of the other, you know, upside of players, right? Like, like I said, the Orioles, they've got Heston Kerstad, who, I mean, that is the perfect player for the White Sox right now. He slots right into right field. The White Sox, you know, lefty, they need power. Boom. That's your, that's your right fielder for a long time. Right. So there, there's some big headliners out there and I think it's going to be hard for the Reds not to have to put Petty into this deal. I, I could be wrong and I could be, they, they, maybe they're interested in Phillips or Ashcraft just as much. Um, but I personally would want Petty as the as the pitcher headline in addition to a few other position players. Um, I also think I, I like Collier a lot, but I think I think the Reds would rather give up Arroyo or Stewart based on what I feel like I've seen than give up Collier. Uh, I think if if the Reds can pull off this trade, I'll put it this way: if they can pull off this trade for Cease without giving up Petty or Collier, that is a huge, huge win. That's how I would put it. For the White Sox, I'd be a little upset. For the Reds, if they can find a package without those two, I think they're in a. They're, that's an excellent move for them. Um, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways. It could also be a totally different package where it's you know they say they say screw Petty, we're going to try and get pitching elsewhere because the White Sox have other. They're going to end up trading Eloy Jimenez. They're going to end up trading. I mean, they're going to do a bunch of other stuff this season in addition to to cease right. So I could see a package where they just go all in on young hitters and just go you know Collier, Collier, Arroyo, Jorge, and you know, one other piece or something like that. I don't know. Um, so it's just, it's just going to come down to a matter of how much the reds are willing to give and how much they really think ceases that piece for them. Because I do think he's a much better pit, a much better fit for you than glass now or Bieber because of the cheaper contract, because of the extra year control, because of just a little bit younger than both those guys. So I don't know. 
Was this was this your offer here? Yeah, I was gonna say I added I I I there's a few like low level DSL guys that I think are fun too, but that generally speaking, that that is a general offer that I think would make make some sense. I think you get the White Sox get their they get a pitcher that's up projectable, they get a projectable second baseman, shortstop second baseman, whichever middle infielder, right? And they get a guy who they can try out in right field and see if it works. I, I don't think Hines is the long term like stud in right field, but he could be a big leaguer this year for the White Sox. So yeah, I think you'd have a fourth player in there. Um, yeah. Probably maybe, a yeah. maybe, well, maybe not even a throw, maybe a, a buy low, maybe an Austin Hendrick. Yeah. You know, I would, I would, uh, that, that could be kind of a, or maybe one of uh, the Blake Dunn, Jacob Herdeby. You, yeah. You I wouldn't, add, I wouldn't add, add them, as, add them yeah. as your fourth. Yeah. I, I think I could be twisted to do this. I would try everything possible to not, not do petty, yeah. even if it was, even if, even if it was, um, you know, maybe saying, uh, Lion Richardson and Julian Aguiar instead, maybe yeah. three pitchers instead of Petty. Um, yeah, I think I could be twisted on this just because you're not giving up any of you know, louder Arroyo or louder Phillips, Collier, Stewart. Um, yeah. but yeah, and then and there's, there's also, a, there's also yeah. the international guys that. That have that are still so new. They've only kind of been the complex, yeah, like right. Ricardo Cabrera, uh, Alfredo like Duno. It, it's really hard to know where their value is, and if teams are even interested in moving players that are that far away, and then yeah. you don't have that much data on. But they're kind of also a wrench that you're throwing into this. Yeah. Also, the guy the Reds drafted, uh, Sammy Stafura, um, yep. who's like so young, only 19 years old. Hard to really know where his value is. Like at least with like Arroyo Petty. Um, Collier, we kind of know at least a little bit. We kind of think their value is. Yeah. What's uh? Let's let's do a different one, and we'll see. I want to see people's reaction okay. on this one. So this is my my secondary offer would be Phillips, Collier, Stewart. Phillips. That's, that's a different. Collier. That's a different Stewart. look. I think the White Sox take a little bit of a hit on the. They take a risk with Phillips, but he's a guy that could start for you this year. He would slot right into the Red Sox rotation pretty much immediately, as opposed to with the Reds, where he's kind of got a, a question mark on him. Um, and then Collier, who uh, heavens out. Um, but it's a. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. That's a totally different look. It's a different option. It keeps the Reds. It keeps Petty in the system. And I think people, the Reds right now, I think would value Collier. Would value petty over Phillips. So you're getting rid of a guy in Phillips who's a little more re league ready, which the White Sox would like to see, but then you're giving up two guys who are, you know, the, the long-term projects. I think, I think I know, I know Reds fans are Reds fans probably wouldn't want to give Collier and Stewart. I don't think the Reds would either would give both those guys just because they have kind of similar timelines and they both have a lot of upside. So I think it's unlikely that they'd give both of them. Um, but yeah. Every, okay. So everybody's out on that one, which is interesting compared to the first one. So I, that's, I mean, that's, I, I think, Petty is the, I don't know. I, I, I don't, it's tricky. Cause I, I do like Collier a lot too, but because of the reds needs and depth in different places, Petty is the one that would be the hardest to swallow. If I was a reds fan to give up, but Collier is also a stud. So I, I know people are, are he, hesitant on that one too. Yeah. I can't see them moving Collier and Stewart in the same yeah. deal. That's on one, one or you'd find someone yeah. else. I think the reds value Phillips more than Petty. Personally, yeah, I, I think I value Petty more than Phillips, but I think the mm. Reds value Phillips more. I mean, remember Phillips could also be in the opening day rotation next year. You know, he's, he's he's at least reached that that level. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. 
We can't tell you enough how much we appreciate your support. If you had not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, what are you waiting for? Do it right now. During spring training and the regular season, we are the only Reds podcast to have new episodes after every single game. And we will have plenty of off-season coverage between now and then, so be sure to stay tuned. Also, make sure that you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube so that you can join us for live episodes of Chatterbox Reds. Hit the bell and turn on notifications so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about all of the other great content at Chatterbox Sports. First off, there's our flagship show, Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, from 10 a.m. to noon, Monday through Friday on YouTube, of course, on Chatterbox Sports. Off the Bench is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Great podcast listen uh, for your drive home, as it's usually posted uh, by 1 or 2 in the afternoon every day. Then there's Chatterbox Bengals. They go live after every single Bengals game. Similar fashion to what we do at Chatterbox Reds. Those guys are doing a great job covering the Bengals this season. Speaking of the Bengals, there is Chatterbox Clicker with Coach Kyle Kasky, former Bengals coach. That is every Tuesday night. Coach Kasky breaks down film from the latest Bengals game in a very innovative show on Chatterbox Sports that you do not want to miss. And if that's not enough to fill your NFL fix, there's Mac and JT. That is Wednesday nights on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Uh, That is all things NFL. They go through each and every game. And then our newest show, Chatterbox Bearcats. That is with host Charlie Walter, formerly of Reds Live. Covers all things UC sports. They are going live on YouTube after every single UC basketball game. So that's, of course, on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Chatterbox Bearcats is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Links to all those shows are in the episode notes today, so be sure to check them out. Give those guys the support that they deserve. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. Hope that you have a fantastic day, and as always, go Reds.